I V M I V M Hello everyone this is your daily NBA podcast coming to you from Monday to Friday I'm your host Monish and as always joined by Nishant this is Triangle Offense The Bucks are just one home win away from the first NBA championship since 1971. That was before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Chris Middleton, Yanis and Giroud Holiday all contributed in what is a big win for the Bucks. All about Game 5 on today's episode. Whether you're an established sports person or a budding one or simply a sports enthusiast, join us, Tanvi and Shlok. We are two passionate pro badminton players talking policy, mindset and everything sport. So tune in to the Millennial Athlete every Monday only on the IVM Podcast Network. Trust us, it's going to be lit. The Milwaukee Bucks came out victors 123 to 119. Uh Giannis contributed 32, Middleton contributed 29 and Giroud contributed 27. And for the Phoenix Suns, it was Booker who contributed 40 and that was all. I mean, I know Chris Paul and Aiton did their bit. They got 20-odd points. But nothing like the trio of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. It was a team performance altogether. We spoke about how Phoenix had a better, well-rounded team and the Bucks were top-heavy. But, well, the top-heavy, if everyone turns up to the party, that's all that counts, right? we got to talk about Drew Holiday before we even get into everything. He always turns up late to the party, doesn't he? I mean, if you remember, he was terrible against the Brooklyn Nets in the yeah. second round. And then in the final game seven, he hit, a, he hit, I think, a few clutch threes. I think there were three of them. And that really turned the uh, things in Bucks in, in the Bucks' favor. Against the Atlanta Hawks, Giannis went down. Uh, you thought that uh, Bucks were not winning this because Trae Young was going crazy. And then Trae Young got injured. Yep. And you thought that, okay, uh, Middleton and Giroud need to step up. Um, Giroud did step up. He was a leader in that last two games. Yeah, but then, days. yeah. Yes. And they, went, <laughs> and they swept Atlanta Hawks in those last two games. It was pretty comfortable yep, yep. wins for them. Mm-hmm. And now we've been criticizing Drew that, uh, well, you gave Eric Bledsoe and you gave your entire future and five first round picks and whatnot for Drew Holiday. And where is Drew Holiday? This is not what we got Drew Holiday from. He's been uh, he's been amazing in defense, uh, no denying that. But yeah. he was four out of 20 in game four. And we thought that, okay, he's not at all a good offensive player and nothing's going in for him. Nothing. Th- and he just turned it around. Amazing performance in game uh, five. 27 points. Uh, 13 assists, was it? And then a clutch steal uh, of Booker in the dying minutes and the lob to Giannis to just finish the game. Yeah, that's uh, the... This is the Drew Holiday we all know. Is in the end, he's, he's finally turned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, late bloomer throughout this the, uh, this season. And and actually, if you... I, I think maybe if they win the series, it'll get whitewashed a bit and you're going to look back at it with fonder recollection than, than otherwise. Because he's been woefully inconsistent. They've given up a lot to get him. And it was a great move to get him, I thought. Um, but he's been really inconsistent. However, he does show up in some big moments. And he's shown up at very opportune moments. So as long yeah. as it works for the team, they can build on that next year. Um, against Atlanta Hawks, Giannis kind of sort of took care of a lot of stuff until he went down. And then when you needed someone to step up and close out the series, he was there. Middleton was there, Drew Holiday was there. They ran the show. It was a good team. This series, they badly needed him to step up because they dropped two games. That's how they started the series. Yeah. This is a this is an incredible comeback so far, at least. And the, I just want to say, in all of this, 
Drew Holiday's offense, I, I still, it still doesn't look very. There are games where he starts off aggressively, and that's kind of where he puts more points on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like this game is efficiency. Everything was up. I thought he had an all-round great game, but it doesn't happen that often. What is yeah. extremely reliable though is his defense, and just that one steal on Booker that closed out the game. That alone is worth those three first-round draft picks if they get them the <laughs> if they get the series right. But no, of course. How much are we sleeping on Giannis's greatness though in all this? And why I'm bringing up Giannis in a Drew Holiday question is, Drew Holiday, we spoke about it. He's a late bloomer. Sometimes he shows up. Some series he disappears entirely. Some series he's not great in the first few games. And then suddenly he explodes into form. Middleton has always been inconsistent. There are games where he plays like prime Jordan, prime Kobe. And then there are games where he's like KCP, uh, Nick Young, stuff like that. Um, and, and he's incredibly inconsistent. So then so you're looking at him and saying, okay, Chris Middleton, that was that every series has one Chris Middleton game moment. Mm-hmm. They dropped 40 something. And I'm thinking in all this, imagine what it feels like to be honest. Everyone else has a template and an excuse, <laughs> right? Like Drew, slow starter, but he contributes on defense, but he's trying like, hey, today he played well on a 13 assists. I mean, come on, Bledsoe didn't consistently give you that either. He's an upgrade, blah, blah, blah. Middleton, he's a great player. He's, he's an all-star, easy Batman. I feel like slapping people who even ask the question, is he Batman? <laughs> all of these guys, when they have an off game, are not the first to be blamed. When there is yeah. an off game and there is a defeat, there is only one name on everyone's minds. And yeah. then they get a nice, comfortable, convenient share of the credit when the team wins, which is fair to them. Uh, so unfair to Giannis. I think we're really we're seeing one of the greatest NBA Finals performances that I can remember, at least in the last mm-hmm. two decades. Mm-hmm. Not since Shaq have I seen this kind of dominance. Um, maybe LeBron in one or two of those those finals, but but this is this is something special. This is something special. Like I'm, if if you ask me right now, even if uh, even if the Suns come back in the series, unless Giannis screws up, he's been by far by a country mile the best player on on court throughout the series. It's not even close. The only reason to give MVP to somebody else would be if he's not on the winning team and because that's how it always goes. But otherwise, he's been the best player in the series. Absolutely. Yanis averages, what, 32 points, yeah. uh, 5 assists and 13 rebounds over the course of the series. That is ridiculous. Even the loss in Game 2, I think he scored yeah. 42 points. In the first game, he got 20 points. Uh, then he got 41 in the victory. Then he got... In the Chris Middleton game, he contributed to 26. And now... In the Drew Holiday game, he contributes 30 again. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> it's like I he's mean, there. You said it yourself, right? Even that loss, he got 42 points. Yep. Uh, it's that. That's the thing with Giannis. When they win, the conclusion that people so fallaciously take away based on just blind reading of stats is whenever Middleton has a good game, the Bucks win. Yeah, of course, because Giannis does 70% of the work. Yep. And he always has a good game. So, obviously, the other yep. 30% matters. Uh, Giannis missed uh, 7 of his 11 free throws. That doesn't even matter when you talk, look at this game, right? Because he's doing so much. On the defensive end of the floor, he's chasing down, getting blocks. He's blocking lobs now. Yep. <laughs> he's he's everywhere. He's missing so many free throws and it doesn't even matter. The Phoenix Suns can, the fans can count as much as they want and it doesn't seem to bother him because he knows that, okay, this is the weak point of my game. It's probably the easiest skill you can have in basketball. That's his weak point. Yep. And it's kind of scary that how good he is. Otherwise, that his free throws are not even being talked about now because, well, who cares? You miss a free throw, you win the offensive rebound and nobody really cares anymore. Yeah, you you get two points rebound. for making a shot than one shot for a, <laughs> one point for a free throw. 
Yeah, he got is the rebound. The... Didn't they score off that rebound in the yes. in the clutch? Yeah, so that was. I mean, they, he passed it off to Chris Middleton. Middleton yeah, yeah, got yeah, fouled, yeah. and Middleton is not missing free throws. Correct, he didn't exactly. miss one though. <laughs> so he kind of converted one free throw of his into two Middleton free throws, which is yes. you know, double or quadruple the value. I, I take that smart play. No, I mean his free throw shooting is inexplicably atrocious, and uh, like I've given up all hope of that ever improving. It's kind of like Shaq. You just assume uh, when he goes to the line, just close your eyes, hope for the best, and and you move on. It's it's horrible, and there's no hope of improvement there. So <laughs> there was a phase, right, with LeBron around say 2014 to 2018 on uh, until 2018 where. Hmm. Anything that LeBron did, he was unstoppable. Do you think Giannis has reached that phase where he's unstoppable? Like you can you can put your entire defense around him. You can put four players to guard him, and he'll run through you and he'll dunk it. You think Giannis has reached that phase where he's the best player in the league, and then there is nothing you can do to stop him? Yeah, I. Well, I don't know if. See, I think he's reached that stage where he commands that level of respect from the opposition. Mm-hmm. That every game plan is primarily built to stop Giannis, and then what else can you do? Right, like that, that's what happened to LeBron, right? Every game plan that yeah. a team came with is how do we stop LeBron? And if you stop him, that's it, game over. That mm-hmm. is true for Giannis. That much he has achieved. Um, yeah. I think with LeBron also, you had entire teams forming their lineups based on how to stop a LeBron team. Like yep. the Clippers, I felt like their entire team selection, <laughs> squad selection last season was how do we stop LeBron, and then they couldn't stop. Uh, Denver was it that they were? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Denver yeah. trashed them. Uh, <laughs> trashed, not trashed. Um, I think Giannis has reached that level of respect, that Steph Curry, LeBron James, gravity kind of situation where you have to commit two men, have to commit three men sometimes. I don't think anyone's that good that four people can't stop him. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know that was a way of saying things. But, but I think he's commanded that level of respect where he's the primary threat to be neutralized. The, and the secondary threat to be neutralized until the ball's out of his hands, he's the only threat to be neutralized. Yep. Yep. And and you know that's true of any player when you start talking about that team's championship capabilities, and your first place at uh, of starting your your uh, the the argument is who does he have around him? The moment you come to that, the who does he have around and the him, you know that that him is is at that level. It's a Steph Curry, it's a LeBron, where that's a given. So you're thinking, okay, what else can they do? Because Whenever you talk about who's around him that can help him in a championship run, your primary assumption is A, he's that good. And B, he's absolutely going to get doubled and triple teamed in, in playoff games. So then who's going to step up? I think Giannis is at that level, that Steph Curry, LeBron mm-hmm. level of importance where uh, you've got to have a bunch of plans and even those might come apart. He's yeah. come a long way since being initially... Um, like the whole build a wall and you'll stop Giannis. It's still true, but it's becoming lesser and lesser relevant because now he has more ways to get around that wall. And he's also not only has he added to his offensive arsenal of what he can do in the low post, what he can do in terms of getting to the rim. How does he go there? Now he's euro stepping. He's he's hitting those little fadeaway hook shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's done all that. But the other really nice thing to see and a welcome evolution to his game is he has now learned. And yeah, maybe this is a factor of the teammates he has now also. But he's learned mm-hmm. how to use the team and interplay to to mm-hmm. unlock these walls that are formed whenever they're formed. Right. How do you use a slasher? So either it results in somebody else getting a neat shot or it results in Giannis getting a better shot closer to the rim and stuff like that. Um, yep. like, a, like a one-two pass to get around a defender or a screen to get around a defender. He's, he's figured out things where he now... Um, plays to the team's benefit whenever uh, somebody commits extra defenders on him. Either use his teammates to get around them or 
give it off to somebody in a better position to shoot that's it's good for the team it, it's great to see um the stuff that he does absolutely absolutely uh, let's not forget the suns came out in the first quarter and bled the bucks they led by 16 at the end of the first quarter and that is the biggest lead in the nba finals since 1997 at the end of first quarter yeah and you thought this was going to be just another run, runaway game because there were very few close games nowadays mm-hmm. uh, you thought this was going to be another runaway game and the bucks really turned up in quarter 2 and quarter 3 and they just outscored the phoenix suns not just catching back on the lead in fact they built a big lead themselves Yep. what really went wrong for the phoenix suns in quarter 2 and quarter 3 why why were they just caught off guard i, I think it was very interesting how this game progressed because it, they had a hot first quarter i don't think we can we need to overthink mm-hmm. this they had a hot first yeah. quarter everything was falling they were shooting lights out but ever since what, what was really fascinating to me was once milwaukee started mounting the comeback it could, could just be a cold start they didn't start very well and then structurally they started coming back into it but once they started mounting that comeback and they started shooting lights out yeah everyone's high efficiency yanis middleton drew throughout the game it's not like there was a hot streak that made up for it so then once all of this happened what was so interesting to me was both teams shied away from the three point arc after that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they took threes only when they had to when they needed yeah. an aggressive push because otherwise this was all mid range this was all paint and if you see the points in the paint even stevens like single digit difference yeah uh, fast break points hardly any difference points of turnovers hardly any difference any stat category that used to separate these two teams yeah nothing much in it rebound same thing offensive rebounds more or less the same thing and and you go further and further and further on the list and you see the total threes attempted in this game both teams mm-hmm. combined is mm-hmm. less than what houston rockets would have shot in in a game last <laughs> season when they had harden and westbrook right yeah. 47 three attempts in a game in this season utah jazz would have done it a few times as a bunch of True. teams out to put up that kind of attempts True. that was what was fascinating for me like how milwaukee came back turn it around fused and like phoenix kind of crumbled i don't want to say choke but they're not doing very well under pressure this phoenix team they started off mm-hmm. hot in those first two games but after that i don't think they're dealing with adversity very well also these are away games so the crowd side getting into it and then uh, it, it kind of it became a negative reinforcement loop for them they don't have a clutch defense uh, i mean i don't i don't know how else to phrase this they don't have defense at the level of milwaukee and and if mm-hmm. you remember that was the reason i banked so heavily on milwaukee i said i'm giving them the slight edge because as any coach or even a casual viewer would tell you in playoff basketball it's that much tougher to get a clutch stop than it is to get a clutch shot to go in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is an ability that the milwaukee bucks have now that we were talking about close out moments in the game right but why do we talk about close out moments so much because of the level of intensity and pressure that's associated with them yep i think an away crowd can play a big role in simulating that even mid game i think that's what we saw we've been raving about phoenix's crowd support i think the milwaukee fans were outstanding in game 3 and 4 true and so every point it was that much tougher psychologically for the suns to to fight back and and i think what became demoralizing was they know yanis is going to do do this to them but they were seeing in parallel middletons also getting everything to drop and yeah drews coming in and like bobby porter comes off the bench with swish and it's a problem now because everyone's yeah. going I, i think it's more of that than anything else i don't think structurally a lot changed between game 3 and 4 Hey everybody, let me tell you a little bit about what happened on the IBM Podcast Network this week. On Cider Says, Cider was joined by Irfan Pabani, who is an old friend of his. They talk about the rich flavors of Indian food and Parsi food specifically. He was also joined by author and historian William Dalrymple. They discuss literature, history, and the culture of the Indian subcontinent. 
And let me give you a few quick things to check out. Chuck, a.k.a. Deepak Gopal Krishnan of Simplified and the Origin of Things frame has Rohan Joshi, formerly of AIB, on his show. Also on this round is on me, Gautam Puroit of Thakur's Bojnale was on. On the note, Marukinaya talks about the cabinet reshuffle. And do check out Global Victoria Tech Talks. We talk about the booming gaming and edutech industries in Australia. Do follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram to keep up what's going on on the network. And I'd like to finally thank our sponsors on the network this week, Cred, Siet, and Global Victoria. Thank you so much for making this possible. We got to come back to Drew Holiday because he had such a great game. Uh, and this is a stat that I read, and I want to put it out for you. When guarding Booker or CP3 the series, uh, the duo averages 22 points per 100 positions against Drew Holiday. <laughs> Whereas against the rest of the team, they average 40. Damn. That's the difference Drew Holiday has been having. Uh, Chris Paul yeah. has had 10 turnovers against Drew Holiday. Booker has had 8 yeah. turnovers. And this is a team that does not usually have too many turnovers. That guy has been amazing on defense. You can talk all about how bad he's been on offense before this game. But throughout the series, I think he's got Chris Paul locked down. He's been, he's been hounding him since at the other end of the basket, 94 yep. feet down. Yeah, he's yeah. been hounding Chris Paul and that kind of tires you out after a while, right? And that kind of shows in Chris Paul's inefficiency, do you think? He's easily the toughest defender Chris, uh, Chris Paul has faced as a one-to-one matchup in this entire season. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're talking about the postseason because regular season, who cares? Everyone plays everyone, but... Postseason, who have the Suns played really? They played the Lakers, where mm-hmm. who was the toughest defender on Chris Paul at any point? Caruso, KCP, Caruso somebody like that. Away, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nobody really elite. All good, great, but nobody elite. True. Then the second round, they faced, uh, man, I'm trying to forget who all these guys beat. Uh, Denver, they right? Clipped round two. Yeah, they swept the Nuggets. Yeah, that was like a no contest. There's no Jamal Murray and anyway, the Nuggets don't defend anyone. Forget right. Chris Paul. So it was Austin Rivers and we just yeah, walked yeah, past That's him. another Portland. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that was time pass. Then they came to the finals. It was Clippers. This was like the first uh, sort of yeah. challenging matchup. But who? Beverly? Beverly. People like that? Yeah, they, he's going <laughs> to destroy them. There's nobody at that level to stop uh, True. Uh, to stop this guy. Because I don't think Paul George was directly on Chris Paul at no. any point. So Yeah. So that back Beverly all the time, yeah. And correct. there was a lot of trash talking and you saw yeah, Beverly push Chris Paul and got physical. Correct, and, correct, correct. But and the added in, in, uh, incentive of Chris Paul going back to the Clippers, he has a point to prove there. Right. So, <laughs> so, so all of that, all of that awesomeness. This is really the first time he's been well and truly tested. It's not looking very good for him that he's, he's come undone at, at mm-hmm. this stage. And any excuse anyone makes about how good Drew Holiday is, it's mm-hmm. the NBA Finals. Did you expect a YMCA team to show up? <laughs> if you're going to call someone a point guard, and I have done that too in the past, then it should be on the table that you call out when he comes undone against quality opposition. It's yep. the NBA Finals. Of course, the other guys are good. He's not yep. been doing a very great job so far. It's not entirely on him. I'm not blaming the team's fortunes on him. I'm saying him individually at his level, whatever stuff he does very well that makes them such a good team, that's not been happening. Right. Even in the first two games. It was okay. It was, it was good stuff. But it wasn't Chris Paul taking over. One game right. maybe. One game. But I don't know. He's, he's, Drew Alde has done an amazing job. And I like this matchup. I like Drew on Chris. Mm-hmm. And Chris on Booker. See what I did there. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> I'm really proud of myself. So I like uh, Drew Holiday on, on Chris Paul and Chris Middleton on, on Darren Booker. I think that's the best way that they can match up and anywhere inside the paint, they've got Lopez and Giannis. That that final play, uh, that was, I, I'm trying to, there are very few 
plays in finals history that gave me the kind of goosebumps that that sequence gave mm-hmm. drew mm-hmm. holiday they, they first of all they stifled the suns yep. the steal was yep. the outcome it wasn't a singular no. event booker had no way to go yeah yeah exactly they stifled it they, they were just aimlessly rotating the ball across the perimeter or around it booker yeah. had no way to go he had to slash run around do whatever yeah and the shot clock was running out so yeah, exactly. he had to do something correct and he turned around and before you know it this guy just pounced to roll the second the ball was exposed he pounced that's that's experience yeah. you can't teach that it was um, also surprising that he went for the lob after that i thought he would just run out the clock and uh, draw a foul and then take two free throws but then yanis would not Yannis have had screen of it because he was screaming yeah. give me the ball give me the ball and i think drew holiday would have been kicked out of milwaukee if he didn't but i think it was you an amazing pass even from the drone cam yanis was like you could hear those the shrill shrieks like he had to lob it up <laughs> And only Giannis play, on that team, pretty much on that on that floor. I don't think anyone else could have really finished off that that dunk because it takes speed and it takes leaping True. ability. I think. And it was Chris Paul running behind. Chris Paul is like six feet. He's one. Yeah, defender was no contest. Full feet. But I think even to get that <laughs> lob, it was yeah. quite a high. Lob. I I thought it'd be yeah. a miss. I thought. I what I thought was I thought Jiru overthrew it. Because mm-hmm. uh, the the camera angle was weird. I couldn't see where Giannis yeah. was. Right. So yeah. until he came to the ball. so we were kind of just only looking at drew in isolation so i thought he over does uh, he put a little too much strength on it uh, best case scenario maybe anis comes down with a sort of rebound and then sees what he can do under the rim or maybe yep. some kind of catch and then try and finger roll it or mm-hmm. something but anis dunked it in full speed and then hung on to the rim it just he landed <laughs> and he flexed it it was poetic Yeah, it was, and Drew Holiday did say that. He said that when I saw Yanis screaming for it, I threw it as high as possible that only Yanis could reach it, and he saw that the other guy yeah, was Chris yeah. Paul, and like he had no chance. Yeah. And he, he drew the foul as well. That was when he missed the free throw and got the offensive rebound. <laughs> so I'll take that any day. Uh, yep. The Suns are now just one loss away from losing the NBA championship, and they'll go back to the drawing board. Do you think the Bucks can close it out at home? And they should, right? It's a home game. Yeah, they uh, they're very yes. strong at home. They rarely lose at home. That crowd is going to be as loud as possible. Uh, Do you think it's over in six now? I think so. I think so, and I think the Suns have made this as tough on themselves as possible. Can they do it still? Yes, they're still a bloody good team. It's about figuring out a way to engineer one win because then the pressure is right back on Milwaukee. They have to come to Phoenix to play Game Seven. Yep. So it's still doable, and and mm-hmm. the right game plan can still get them uh, through. Their biggest problem, man, is they don't have an answer to Giannis. and to be honest the biggest critique on uh, on monty williams is going to be that he didn't try the obvious routes mm-hmm. everyone else tries the wall on yanis and if he still right. beats you okay then then you've got to make adjustments but they haven't played the wall all that much yep and and i don't think this team is above doing that kind of stuff because you've seen chris paul throughout his career he isn't above doing dirty plays here and there to get the edge he's comparatively mm-hmm. do whatever it takes so i i don't think this is like they they look down upon that as a strategy i don't think it's any of that mm-hmm. so then it's inexplicable why they believe single coverage on yanis especially from crowd of forget eight and they put crowd on him a bunch of times yeah and and hope that it it's never going to yanis is going to destroy pretty much anyone in the league on single coverage there are very few big men that can even remotely keep up on somebody like an mb anthony davis it will be a treat to watch true but but even for them it's going to be tough so single coverage just doesn't work on players like this It's like putting one guy on Steph Curry and saying stop him. I don't care who that is. It's <laughs> going to be a nightmare for that guy. He might get a few here and there, but you're still going to bleed more points than you should. Yeah. You're still going to bleed more points than you would if you put a double team on him and force the ball out of his hands, right? Best player on any team, you force the ball out of his hands. I don't think they've True. done that, to be honest. So they made it really tough. I expect the Bucks to close it out. 
I can't rule out a Phoenix win, but I think this is now stacked in in Milwaukee's favor, especially because it's a home game. If this was Phoenix, I'd still say edges with the Suns. True, I I do too. I think Yanis is in that mode where he's like, I'm going to win yeah. this. Come what may. You saw that guy hyper extend his knee just like what two weeks ago, <laughs> and he's playing like this. He made uh, a I think he just closed on it. that knee. He made a, he, that clutch offensive rebound off that knee. I mean. <laughs> There was a chase down block on in game one, if you remember that, yes. because it got overshadowed by the crazy block on Aiton later on. But yeah. there was a chase down block in game one, which was almost LeBron. That was as good as LeBron's, by the way. Yeah, it's exactly. just that LeBron was in a game seven, but this and it resulted in a loss, so it kind of got correct, overlooked. Correct, but correct. Uh, yeah, I think Giannis is. Uh, I think they will close it out in game six as mm-hmm. well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if the Phoenix Suns can make a comeback. But that's all on today's episode, and I'll catch you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to check out our other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on our social media. We're at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to us at Triangle Offense, and you know you do, you know you want to reach out to us and tell us that our opinions on your favorite players are trash. You want to tell us Magic Johnson is still better than Steph Curry and you don't think Steph Curry has changed the game. For all that and more, reach out to us at Tri Offense Pod, that's T-R-I-O-F-F-E-N-S-E Pod, on both Instagram and Twitter. If you love cricket, listen up. The Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast is here for you. Hosted by DJ, Varun, and me, Ashwin, we bring a fun, fresh fan's point of view to talking all things cricket. Sometimes it's just the three of us, sometimes we have guests, including current and former international cricketers. For new episodes every week, check out the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast on the IVM app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your five-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure, and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website, or wherever you get your podcast from.